Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. Now for 2020, the Friday Special series is running, you know, almost every week. And each time we do an episode, I have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification, effects, pedals. We're going to have brands, producers, and musicians. I am your host, Joe Branton, and I'm joined by our special guest, Blake Wyland of the Tone Mob and Chasing Tone podcast. Hello, Blake. Hello, and welcome Joe. to the show. Joe. Ah, yes. Yes. It has been it's been a long time. It's been, I don't know, a a year, a year plus since we've been on a podcast together. Maybe longer. Something like that. I I know I enjoyed it last time very much. I'm glad to be oh. back. There we go. There we go. It was good. Well, it is it is quite a, you know, a, an 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 insular world of guitar podcasts. I think we're all on uh, on each other's podcasts kind of all the time you've been all over get offsets podcast uh recently as well yes they asked me to come on and it was like yeah well we kind of did a double whammy like we mm. i did their show and then we just kind of turned it around and they did my show all in the same session so that was a that was a fun chat those are good people over there Oh, that is good. That is effective. Yeah, I love Get Offset. It's probably the... Is it the newest guitar podcast? I don't know if there's another one that started that I'm aware of that's newer than that. But um, um, it's certainly... It's, it's gone from kind of being, you know, the new one to being a really well-established, really fun to listen to, really awesome guitar podcast in a very short space of time. Yeah, Emily and Andrew have really done a great job over there. They've gotten some great guests and they have, you know, different takes on the guitar world than what you know you or i might have and it's really it's it is it's a quality show i had a fun time being on it i like listening to it and they're good people i've met both of them in person and really like them so there you go well yes being that side of the pond you get the luxury of meeting people in person when you're not at things like nam whereas i only get to see you guys at nam festivals and of course with the current situation uh, it's looking increasingly unlikely mm. for a little while anyway. But, you know, there'll, there'll be something. So something will happen and then we'll all be together again. But yes, uh, for, for listeners, if you're, you know, if you're if you're new or you haven't listened to 
the Tone Mob or Chasing Tone podcast, which, you know, I, I, I imagine is very, very few of you. Blake is kind of the OG when it comes to guitar podcasts, the man who popularized virtually the entire genre um, and, you know, has an incredible and impressive collection of guitars and an incredible back catalogue of amazing interview episodes with some of the biggest and best people um, in the industry. So, you know, it's it's cracking to have you on the show and be able to talk about kind of you and all your guitars and all your gear and the things that are exciting you at the moment. Because um, you're always talking to other people about what's exciting them. Well, yeah, that's very kind of you because I would have considered you to be the OGs of the guitar podcasting space. I came in in like 2015. So I'm, I'm a little bit newer to the game than you guys. You guys have been around really? longer. Yeah. Well, maybe we've spoken about that before. I, I'm just, we, you know, it would have been a guitar shop podcast for us at the time. So, you know, probably not even listened to outside of, you know, the uh, uh, the few, you know, sort of London and Brighton. But, uh, but yes, but uh, one thing that's been incredibly successful for you and and the Tone Mob has been your your Instagram channel, um, which I think you've used to great effect alongside the podcast to kind of introduce people to new and boutique brands and i think this for listeners this the, the fundamental difference between what blake does and what guitar nerds do is that we are as you know <clears throat> as we recently did a guitar nerd survey uh, where i where i let people offer advice and whereas you will all want to tell us uh, we tend to sit back on the default brands like yes the fact that jay works for fender and matt works for boss i guess influence us and the things we talk about and the types of things we tend to get hold of tend to be major brand stuff and the thing about blake is he is very very good at introducing people to new brands i think that's kind of your bread and butter is showing people new interesting stuff that they might not have heard of yeah well that's just what excites me you know i like finding smaller companies doing you know new things and i talked about it actually on the get offset episode i'm really passionate about small businesses and helping small businesses and i think that's where a lot of the innovation is happening right now especially in the world of effects and i that's just what i pay attention to and what i'm passionate about so naturally that just kind of comes out in the content that i produce and uh instagram's always been instagram's actually where i started before the podcast even started I just started showing gear pictures and, you know, and in the beginning it wasn't all my own. Sometimes it was, uh, it was a lot of reposts and things that I found interesting in the beginning. But over the last couple of years, it's largely 99%, you know, original content of mine and the various things that I own and I get to try out and I try to share some, you know, I'm trying to share experiences a little bit on there. And then occasionally it will be something completely random. That has nothing to do with music at all. <laughs> like so, your weightlifting equipment from yeah, uh, from today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I try to put a little bit of personality in there as well, so people know because there's there are there are a lot of gear channels or gear Instagram pages, and I try to let people know like uh, there's a real dude behind all this, and I I have other interests as well, and occasionally you know I'll post car stuff or uh, you know comic book stuff or whatever so i it's really a melting pot of my influences with the heavy heavy focus on guitar stuff and i'm glad everyone's there like following along with this nerdy little journey of mine it's it's really a fun channel for me oh, 
It, it is a wonderfully nerdy journey. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, your kind of obsession with uh, sort of small brands and, and kind of helping get the, the word out on them is, is what's kind of in, inspired me recently to go down this real rabbit hole of of British brands. Because I think especially when it when it comes to um, when it comes to effects, there is definitely like a when it comes to boutique effects, there's a massive focus on what's coming out of almost specifically Portland. You know, <laughs> the, there's 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 so much stuff coming out there, but but you know, there's such a massive focus on that because there are such great brands. And then when it comes to guitars, of course, you get there are so many wonderful. I mean, America's such a big place, but there are so many wonderful little luthiers out there that I think kind of you know we almost some of the cool uk ones get get missed out so i kind of made it my focus of late to really seek out interesting effects and um and guitar brands from over here very much on sort of the inspiration of what you've managed to do sort of over the years but um but yeah let's let's talk about some let's talk about some fun things that you've been checking out recently i guess before before we talk about guitars you had a really successful really interesting um raffle that you organized through your channel recently yes yes that was that was awesome that was like a uh, faith in humanity restorer for me uh, so um <laughs> It wasn't entirely all all me. I had a lot of help from Grant and Karen, who run Big Ear Pedals in Nashville, and they're wonderful people who I very much enjoy. They're they're great. If you haven't saw their stuff, follow their channel or or their Instagram rather. Grant and Karen are amazing, and they helped me. So I was it started. I had a pedal from Fender, you know, this small boutique builder Fender, uh, that they sent me two pedals, and one was with the express purpose of giving it away. And this was before the world fell apart. But I was like, okay, I got this pedal here. How can I, you know, do some good with it? I was just going to use it to, to, like, try to help grow my YouTube channel or something, which I'll probably still do something like that at some point. But I decided to raffle it off. And I picked two charities based out of Minneapolis, which was, you know, particularly hard hit by all the, the things going on. And I picked two charities, those two charities, for a very specific reason. Um, they were, it was very clear what they were doing. Uh, the one was uh, We Love Lake Street, which was helping, uh, uh, they said 100% of the proceeds that they were getting right now was going towards helping small businesses that were damaged in some way and uh, during all this stuff. And then the other one was a law firm that operated at no charge with a focus on helping out youths of color in the neighborhood there in Minneapolis. And I was like, okay, this is great. These are two very important things. It's very clear what their mission is. You Fantastic know, that you managed to find charities that were so grassroots oriented as well for those subjects. I think that that's, you know, that's sort of related to my small business passion. You know, it's like some of these larger organizations, it's not 100% clear what they're doing with the funds. Right, yeah. It's great that they're doing something, but I don't really like the idea of donating to a large organization that potentially, you know, is funneling a lot of those funds to the top rather than the bottom. Yeah. So I thought these these places have very clear mission statements and they make a lot of sense and Minneapolis has been very hard hit. So let's go right to them. And Grant and Karen saw that I was doing that and they're like, "Hey, 
uh, you know, we know a lot of people, and Grant's like an obsessive person. So once he starts working on something, it's all <laughs> he does. Like it's it, and so within like 24 hours, he gathered up a bunch of other pedal companies to join in the raffle. I hit up uh, Jennings Guitars to throw in for it, and we ended up with like 10 pedals, nine patch cables, and a really nice T-style guitar to give away. To one person. The Jennings Navigator. Yes, well. which I own one, which is, and I love it so much. It's such a great Fantastic guitar. Fantastic guitar. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we organized all that. I'm kind of being jumbled in the way I'm explaining this, but we extended it for two weeks, and the way that you entered was by donating any dollar amount to either of those organizations and sending me the screenshot of the receipts. And that ended up being very labor-intensive on my end. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, track because well, you have that. to manually. <laughs> yeah, every I know all about that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I there would have been easier ways to do it. But I thought you know that cut out any middlemen, got the maximum amount of funding to the organizations, and uh, you know as long as I stayed on top of it every couple hours and and like checked the boxes and made sure everything was in order, it really wasn't awful. But I had I did have to stay on top of it, and every morning was like, whoo, that's a lot of email. Uh, but it was worth it. We ended up raising over twelve and a half grand, and it went yes. awesome. Twelve thousand four hundred and ninety-two dollars. That yeah, we ended up going a little bit more than that uh, because there was a few entries who came in after it technically ended, but I hadn't drawn the winner yet, so I went ahead and threw their name in the hat anyway. So I think it ended up being like twelve thousand five hundred and sixty something. I think is was the final total, but. Uh, when I announced it, yeah, it was twelve thousand four hundred and ninety-two, but we got a little bit more. I, you know, I don't know. I just felt like they were willing to give, and just because they slightly missed the deadline, it wasn't that big of a deal for me to go ahead and include those ten people or whatever it was. Sure. Um, but yeah, one guy won it, and this is the first giveaway. I've done several big giveaways over my course of being a guitar media person, and inevitably they all have. A bunch of whiners and complainers <laughs> who were like, oh, I didn't win. I should have won. Why did this guy win? You know, whatever. Even though it's all random. Like, I like like I really care who wins. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I want somebody to win and enjoy it, but it's whoever wins legitimately. This oh, was the I care. I care when Australians win it and I have to ship it to Australia. That's oh, well, I see, that's what, the, that's what you got to do. You have to uh, – we opened this internationally, but – with the stipulation that they had to pay for shipping if they right. won. So. <laughs> that's smart. Okay, that's, I'll take that note. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this was the first one where nobody complained. Everyone was like, congratulations, this is awesome. And that, so it, it really did. Oh, it restored so my Yeah, it restored my faith in humanity in more than one way. Everyone came together. You know, some people donated a lot of money. Uh, there were several people who donated like, Two, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars. Like it was. Oh, that's awesome. It was. That's really awesome. It was great. It was really great. Uh, yeah, that's re really good. And what what a wonderful thing to to you know to do at the, as, especially at this time. So you know, well done, Blake, and thank you very much for you know for representing such fantastic causes. You are a superhuman. Well, I couldn't have done it without Grant and Karen. Got to give the credit yeah, where this. where credit is due there. So yeah, they were they Absolutely. were a massive help. Yeah, I have I have no doubt. Now, um I guess you know, let's let's talk about some guitar stuff and things. Let's talk about kind of what you're playing 
um, at the moment? Or let's talk about kind of what's exciting you at the moment. What uh, guitars have wet your whistle recently? Um, okay. Yeah, what what uh what instruments it doesn't necessarily have to be something in your your collection because you have a obviously a, a fan a fantastic collection of guitars from uh you know the millimetric things to um uh to the melody maker to you know you've got loads of fun awesome things but i want to talk about maybe some guitars that i'm not necessarily uh aware of that you think are awesome at the moment okay this is actually really good timing for this so I recently got in one of the best sounding guitars I have ever heard or experienced ever. And that is that, that is that is big praise. It's it is insane sounding. And so I, I first experienced this guitar at Summer Nam in what would it have been? Twenty nineteen, I think. Was that the last Summer Nam? I don't know. What year is it? <laughs> yes, sadly it was <laughs> it was, yes. Um and it was made by a guy named Barry Grisbeck. Uh the brand is called Grez Guitars, and the guitar is his Mendocino baritone. The baritone aspect is what makes this so cool. So it's a 28-inch scale, almost entirely hollow body guitar with Lawler gold foil pickups. And I'm telling you, Joe, I've never heard anything like this in my life. So I was playing this one at NAMM, and I was like, I I so badly need to pick one of these up. And then right basically when lockdown happened, I got an email from Barry, and he was like, hey, by the way, I sent you a guitar. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, what What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I sent you a loaner uh, to check out for a little bit. Because he was originally going to, he comes to Portland occasionally, and he was originally going to come by the shed and do the podcast in person. But then obviously lockdown happened. We couldn't do that. Mm. So that's why he had my address. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like my address is just floating out there in, on the internet. So he sent no. me the guitar, and it's it's exactly what I would have ordered if I was going to order one. Oh, and really? it. It's exactly as I remembered it from Nam. It sounds insane. It's I I can't hardly describe it. The gold foils coupled with that that hollow body. There's no f holes in it, so you don't get like massive feedback. He oh, really. I, I love the hollow bodies with no f holes. It's such a cool. It creates such a great sound. This almost compressed but roomy sound. Yes, yes, and he designed it. You know, he's a, a an acoustical engineer by trade. And so he originally started making acoustic guitars with, you know, his design concepts from working in designing studios and concert halls and things like that. And then he translated some of what he learned there into this particular model. So it's not, it doesn't like feedback like crazy. It's very controllable, but yet has just enough. And those those gold foils on there just, I I I'm I'm telling you, this is one of the most fantastic instruments I've I've ever laid my hands on. It's amazing. And then I emailed him after I had it for a few weeks and was just like, "Yeah, you're not getting this back. So let's figure out uh, <laughs> let's figure out some payment arrangements." Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that's wicked. And it's kind of the Gretsch guitars, and certainly this one is very a very Gretsch style in line with having sort of Lola, you know, a gold foils. It's a kind of a Gretsch style single cut. Um, maybe slightly more angular than a Gretsch, um, uh, but and kind of like a the one you've got so very much like a no frills kind of version. It's a real simple, uh, you know, that style guitar. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just volume, tone, and rock and roll, man. It's a it's a hard tale. He makes them with Bigsby's and stuff too. I this is how I would have specced this one, which is kind of strange that he sent me the exact one that I would have asked him to build. Oh, really? It's That's got, cool. It's got a little bit bigger neck on it, and I really like the black top with the the uh, wood back. You know, the raw, not raw, but the uh, clear finished back on it. It's yeah. Just... Uh, the the sides, uh, like a, a, a plain wood finish as well. Yeah, yeah. Like anything the... after the binding is a, just a nice wood finish. And it's made out of, uh, I think it's made out of redwood, if I remember correctly. He, he likes to use reclaimed wood and fallen trees and stuff in his builds. And I believe this is a, this is a redwood guitar, if I remember correctly. That's very cool. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah, I lo- I love everything on on Gres Guitar's site. Like, and he definitely goes more bling than he has with that model. He's it, they definitely go all the way up into sort of bling territory. There's like a a proper sort of uh, sixteen inch thirty you know thirty four inch scale fretless bass in like a bold poplar top <laughs> and oh, it's yeah. fretless as well. So he he'll definitely go the whole way up to sort of pure insanity as well as keeping things quite reasonable. Um, yeah, these look like absolutely fantastic guitars, kind of workman Gretsch style guitars. And I love the tailpiece, the sort of Grez tailpiece that's on there as well. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. This that's, is, uh, yeah. That's Sorry, been go the, oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is uh, this is absolutely an awesome, like, player's rock and roll brand that I was not aware of. Yeah, it's really interesting because he was... He was excited to see what I did with it because a lot of his, like, artists, I guess you would say, they're more like in the traditional music scene. They do like some, they've got some rockabilly guys and some very technical, like, clean players. And I am not any of that. I'm a very (laughs) non technical, uh, non clean player. And so he was like, I'm actually kind of curious to see what you do with it because I definitely like play heavier things than any of his artists and so far the only thing i've actually recorded and put out there was the intro for the uh, fuzzrocious typhon demo that i did but i thought it sounded really good in that intro although it's still i still haven't got i haven't been able to record it in a way that i think really captures how cool this guitar is i can't quite capture it sometimes with hollow bodies i think it's it's uh, yeah, I, I have exactly the same thing with my Gibson ES-175, sort of in the room through an amp. I've never been happier with the tone, but I have never, ever managed to make it sound good on a, n- not the way I want it to on a recording and always end up having to use a solid body for the same thing. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's a hollow body thing or if it's uh, if it's just my own in- inability, but, um, but yeah. I think it might have something to do with the feeling of playing the hollow body as well. And maybe it's like you can't get the feeling in a recorded tone because you don't have this body vibrating against you. And that's like part of what we're experiencing is like literally our own bones, you know, vibrating in our ears. And I think that might be part of it. And so it's just hard. You know, it still sounds really good. I've heard had a lot of people like be like, wow, that intro sounds incredible. But I'm like, man, if you only knew what it really sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm flicking through uh, Grez Guitars catalog and I've just found the um, the sparkle pink single P90 in the bridge uh, Bigsby loaded um, 
mm-hmm. single cut that he made. The, the signature model he's done for Laura Chavez's uh, well, guitar. What is it called? The Men, the Mendocino, which is the same one that you've got, isn't it? That's the same yeah. model that, yeah, yeah. that you've got. Yeah, sparkle pink version of that. Absolutely, I am very, very excited by that. Oh, this <laughs> is a this is a this is a wonderful discovery. Oh, thank you very much, Blake. I'm I'm excited about uh, Grez guitars and uh, and and I need to I need to check this this brand out a little bit more. Now, one thing that when it comes to like effects and and stuff, you you post yeah, effects seem to be kind of your very much your bread and butter um, at the moment. As you know, you you've been very successful successful with your own tone mob fuzz, um, of course, but. Um, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to effects pedals, I want to sort about talk about this uh, this tube loaded pedal. Um, ah, that yes, you uploaded a, a, a photograph of yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. So that is made by. Let me. I'm trying to remember the brand name. Why can't I think about Night it? Owl Industries? Night Owl. That's right. Yeah. I met him at Fear the Riff uh, the first year. It happened in New York City. And, you know, we kind of hit it off. We did a little mini episode and, you know, we, we just started talking. Well, he made this pedal. So, well, first he made a pedal called Oscar, which wasn't really a pedal. It was like a made to like sit on top of your amp preamp type of situation. And I always told him, I was like, you know, this would be really a lot more useful if this was enclosed in in a pedal form. And so he redid the design a little bit. And I, I can't remember the name of this one. If I slid over to the page, I can probably figure it out. But he, uh, he, uh, did this design and it's basically, it's a tube preamp and it really does like work the tube. It's not just a, uh, you know, sometimes tube pedals don't actually do anything, but that's not the case with this one. And it's just a really nice preamp. Very simple. It's got that one knob on the side. That's just volume. And I think it sounds really cool when you actually pummel it with another, like a clean boost, when you get the tube itself to break up. It sounds really awesome. Otherwise, it's just a very nice, clean, kind of gives you some warmth type of, you know, that classic sound. It's, It's a really cool pedal. Yeah, that I mean that that sounds like exactly the sort of thing that I want on a, on a pedal board anyway in in the first place, and it comes in a fantastic chassis. And anything that's valve loaded is very cool. Um, Night Owl Industries again, like a, a brand that that I just really I haven't checked out at all, but they look absolutely fantastic. Everything they do is bonkers. Oh yeah, he um, makes amps that are really cool and all kinds of. I I don't even know. I haven't kept up with him as closely as I should, but. He really does some very beautiful work. There's a weird thing with like buttons and and switches and faders on it, and and all of those things all at once sound sound very exciting to me. It looks like it's called the Arcane. Yes. I don't know what it does, but I'm gonna go and check that out. Uh, check that out afterwards. Now, kind of on the because you obviously you've done uh, tone mob effects and collaborations and things in the past. You you recently did another collaboration with Fuzz Rocious, the Typhon. Yes, um, which was a super limited edition um, uh, pedal, and that was that was like a that what was that like a, a preamp booster? That was Goodera essentially. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's everything is what that pedal is. <laughs> it's it's a clean boost. It's a preamp 
it's a make better, it's a fuzz, it's a distortion, it's an overdrive. It all depends on how you set the knobs. So ah. where that was birthed from was several years ago, one night I, I took all of my LPV1 style clean boosts that I had. I had like five or six uh-huh. of them. And I just lined them all up, plugged them all in in series, and started just seeing what happened when I slammed one into the other and vice versa. And I was able to get some really cool sounds. But obviously, that's not very pedal board friendly to have a bunch of boosts on your board. And so I talked to Ryan. I was like, check this out. I was doing this, and it turned out really cool. And then we did some more brainstorming, and he's like, okay. So we got four gain stages there, and we have a clean blend, and we have a tone control, and then two texture controls, which... Uh, well, switches rather, which change the orientation of the transistors in the circuit to like change how they feel and compress and how much gain they put out. So basically, you know, if you dial this all back, it, it's very much a clean boost. You know, you can just add a little sparkle, you know, you can adjust the tone control and get it to where you need it, and it's all gravy. But as soon as you start cranking those different stages into each other, like it it really gets nuts in a hurry like really really loud really really dirty and you can you really get collapsing the front end of the next thing and creating it, something really yes fuzzy. yes yes and so it's a it's a very versatile and so we did a v1 here a couple of years ago that i thought sounded really good and then ryan was like hey let's do another run let's do a v2 he swapped out some of the transistors for higher gain ones and you're like, I want to flatten out the EQ curve and see what that sounds like. And I was like, ah, I really liked the EQ on the original. So I was a little bit skeptical about it. But once he sent it to me, I was like, oh, no, you're right. This is even better than the original one is, in my opinion. So it really it really turned out wonderful. And, uh, you know, big thank you to everyone who bought one because... You did you that know. as a super limited edition run, right? The yeah, we did 23 of them. 23 units, three of them were hand-painted by Shannon, his wife, and they came in the limited uh, Tone Mob wooden boxes. So three people, oh, the first three cool. orders got that, and the rest were the regular uh, screen-printed versions, which still looks great, but, you know, it's kind of cool to have a hand-painted one. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So kind of, okay, so on, on, on the subject of pedals... It's kind of same question as we had with the Grez guitars. Like, if you're going to recommend something for uh, Guitar Nerds podcast listeners right now, a pedal that has really excited you recently, um, you know, it doesn't. You, you don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel with this, but just something that you've checked out recently that you've been especially blown away with. Hmm. Man, I've gotten lucky to try. Out I know. Of... I'm putting you on the spot with these. I know. Uh, yeah. There's there's so many, right? You know, I, uh, you know, this is not, again, this is not a small builder at all going back to Fender. And I know that's not what people normally look to me for, but I was really impressed with their reflecting pool. I got I'm one of those. I was going to ask you about this because you've got a few Fender pedals and I, and, and it was kind of like, I was like, oh, this is not the sort of thing I expect you to be checking out. I sort of expect the sort of uh, big brand shilling to be coming from our end uh, rather <laughs> than yours, but <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah you 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 checked out a few things because you were you were looking at the um 
the tube stuff. I can't remember what Jay said. Um, I've got the, the tube MT- tremolo. That's oh, the one right. I have. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is one of the ones right. we included in the giveaway. Uh, but I also have oh, of one, course. one yeah. for myself, uh, which I think is great. But they also sent along the reflecting pool, which is their delay reverb with that. It's the, f- the first time Fender tried to make it, it was more expensive than any of their other pedals, the reflecting pool. Like almost like Fender were kind of let off the hook with everything else because it was so affordable. That it was like, man, just the fact that it's in a nice chassis makes this good. Like the pedal doesn't even need to be good. This is already good because it's in a nice chassis for this price point. But the reflecting pool was the first thing that was at a premium price point. And I agree with you. It's actually actually great. Yeah. Tell me about your experience with it. Well, you know, this is really not fair of me because, and I've thought this with every single Fender pedal, I don't get overly excited about it when they're headed my way because it's not what I think of, you know, with Fender. And when when I got some small brand sending me something, I get really excited about it. Not that I'm not excited about the Fender stuff. It's just I kind of have lower expectations for some reason. But that's absolutely idiotic because every single one that I've tried has been awesome. They've been great. I'm supposed to talk to, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name off the top of my head, but I'm supposed to talk to the designer here pretty soon um, on the Tone Mob podcast. So I'm excited, but I, I just, for some reason, I have like a lower expectation in my head, but every one of them has been great. The Pelt Fuzz that they have did is one of my favorite fuzz releases in recent years. It's really awesome. It's a really good fuzz. A the, really good fuzz. The Pugilist is a great pedal. I, I feel like it should probably be more described as an OD than a distortion, but that's semantics, I suppose. But yeah, yeah they've J- all Jay been was a, Jay really was good. a big fan of that one. And and I agree. I, I, I always felt that was more um, a, an overdrive than a, a distortion. And certainly just the simple fact that Jay liked um, the Pugilist was you know, sign enough that it was, it's not a distortion because he's <laughs> not a big fan of that that style of effect and um oh uh the for for me out of that range also the the bends the compressor mm-hmm. um that they put out was was an absolutely uh fantastic pedal it, it's it's a surprising range to to have been as actually a versatile great sounding range of pedals i don't know why we're surprised though that's what i'm saying it's like unfair of me to think this like why are we surprised it's not like fender hasn't made great stuff recently well no it's (laughs) it's we all it's because of the competition series that that preceded it um do you remember those no i don't no i don't remember those yeah okay so fender released this uh comp they were called the competition series and um, they I avoid talking about them around Jay on the podcast. Obviously, I don't want to upset him. But uh, they were they were about twenty five thirty pounds a pedal, and they were just like you know there was drive, delay, you know it was it was that there was no there was no identity to these pedals. It was and I don't think Fender really had much to do with them other than you know sort of slapping their name on them. They were very kind of cheaply produced basic bottom end pedals and mm-hmm. i remember those as being the last thing that fender had gifted to the the effects pedal world so them sort of suddenly coming back and and reinventing themselves with such quality having you know i mean they've never really been that successful obviously you know there's nothing better in the world than that massive phaser with the huge big knob that you can turn with your foot but uh but you know that they hadn't they hadn't been successful with pedals for a long time um so this was kind of a little bit out of left field for them 
But they are they are very good, very consistent. Yes, very good, very good. Well, job, well done, Fender, on the new pedals. I I <laughs> sign off on them one hundred percent. I'm very pleased. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. as far as uh, smaller builders that have been exciting to me lately, there's I mean there's there's so many. I, I'm going to I mean I would I would be remiss if I didn't mention my friends Fuzzrocious again. They're doing great stuff. They got some really exciting things coming out, so keep your eye on them. But I can't tell you what they are. But keep your eye on them. Uh, Chase Bliss. I've I've lost more hours to the blooper than I can tell you. I have no idea how much time (laughs) I've spent twiddling knobs and making weird sounds with the blooper. It's it's so good. But my favorite Chase Bliss pedal that that I have, actually, is the Dark World still. I love that reverb. It's so good. It sounds incredible. Really, I, I did. Do you know that's? Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time on that reverb, sort of. Other than I've, I've not got one, so I've only sort of seen videos of it, and I think I may be a little uh, over reverb saturated at the moment. So I'm, I'm not used to anyone reinventing the wheel with that at the moment. But you found that to be especially fantastic. It's the most instantly usable Chase Bliss pedal. Like there's some very straightforward sounds in it, but there's also some really wild sounds in it as well. So like there's, you know, there's black mode and mod mode and shim mode, and those all do some really out there things. Those modes were developed by Cooper Effects, Tom over at Cooper Effects, who also makes his own wild stuff. Uh, speaking of that, I haven't got to play with it yet, but have you seen the arcades that he came out with? I have not. Oh boy, you're going to love this. So the arcades is a pedal that has four knobs on it, and you can purchase cartridges with it. I don't know if that's what he's calling them, but you can purchase these little cards and you plug them into the pedal and you get a different sort of effect. So there's like a modulation one and there's a reverb one and I I don't remember a pitch one. There's a bunch of different ones that you can get and you get completely different. You turn it into a completely different pedal by plugging it in. And this is, you know, not the... This is the digital version of this. So this concept was explored... I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago by Devi Ever with the uh, a Kickstarter that didn't go well. And you can look into the, all the drama surrounding that if you want to. <laughs> but that was an analog thing. This is a digital version of a similar concept. And it turned out really cool based on the demos that I'm hearing. And he's going to keep making new cards for it as well. So it's a pretty cool idea. That is a great idea. That's... That's what we want. I want something with physical modules. I don't want to be downloading new firmware updates for stuff. I want physical things that I can put in something. Like, Do you, do you remember the playing cards or players cards, whatever they call them, that Fender released? No, I don't remember strats? this at all. Do you remember these? No. Oh, it was so good. I wish this had been successful. So Fender released a... Uh, a Stratocaster, and I think it was they were called player cards. I, I I have to check with Jay exactly what the what they were called. But essentially, um, so digital pickups, and you could open up the back of the Strat, and you could insert a different card to voice the pickups appropriately. So there was a Jimi Hendrix card, and you know there would be various players. There was you know an SRV card, and you can just pop that in the back and it would voice the pickups appropriately for that player. Um, not not incredibly successful offender, but uh, I, I really, I wish it had been. I, I loved the idea. I loved the idea of 
the sort of Fender Super Nintendo. Um, that it would have been cool. I, I... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wish, wished it had been successful. I remember we got uh, we got two in um, in the shop at, at GAC back when it was released, and I remember when I uh, when I left GAC. Um, in 2018, we had two in the shop uh, still <laughs> by, uh, <laughs> by that point in time. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they uh, absolutely were very, very unsuccessful, but they could have been cool. It's kind of like, do you remember those old like Korg and Yamaha multi-effects pedals where you could get the little modules for the effects that you mm-hmm. popped yeah, in? Yeah, I remember them? those. That's, they were fantastic. That's what I want. I need to... I need to get one of those. I keep thinking about getting the Yamaha one. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. There's something. I, I talked about it a, a while ago on the podcast, but a fantastic idea, like having a, a multi-effects with with just little uh, little cartridges that you can pop in. This is what we. This is what I want. I want this blending of old 16-bit style computer systems and and you know, something to do with guitars. If if companies could do that more for me, that would be fantastic. I would be a big fan of that. Yeah, you got to check out the Cooper FX arcades. And Tom's amazing. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. And yeah, he's a, he's a treat of a dude. Really like that guy. And I, I have a couple of his other pedals and they're, they're absolutely incredible stuff. Like he builds some wild things. I really like them a lot. Yeah, you definitely get the the chance to check out so many interesting uh, effects pedals. You know, just because of you know, because of your location and stuff. You get so well. No, it's not because of that. It's because you're incredibly awesome. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, you've checked out some. We were talking about um, the uh, Matt uh, on last week's podcast. It, this will come out a few weeks after that. So no, not for listeners not last week's podcast but the last time i spoke to matt matt just got the new doctor scientist pedal and it reminded me of the atmosphere um which i think you got hold of an atmosphere to check out which was a uh, a pedal which has an uh, a tiny little 
sort of gaming screen built into it. Mm-hmm. It has a game built into it as well. What? Yeah. It has a game? It has a game. It has a Flappy Bird style game built into it. If you hold down the, I think, the multi button when you power it on, it'll go into game mode and you have a game that you can play on the pedal. What, you use the foot switches? Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's so, so good. so good. <laughs> the That's atmosphere, fantastic. I have to say, like... The atmosphere is one of the most impressive designs I've ever seen. You can really? do any reverb sound you can think of with that pedal, basically. And probably a bunch that you haven't thought of. It is really an incredible piece of engineering. Like, the team at Dr. Scientist went... Uh, it's insane what they did. It is really crazy. Hmm. If you look at the whole process, I think there's a, there's a... There's a guy named Neil that works there. And, you know, he's... He's like quietly like this pedal coding genius that like you have to know, you have to know to know <laughs> if that makes any sense. And right. the, just the level of coding they had to do, they printed out a book of the code that he wrote for it. Just like just to show people physically how much how much work went into it. And it's like if I remember, it's like an inch thick. Like it's it's incredible. Like it's it's so insane what they've done with the atmosphere. It was really really a it's an engineering feat in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, we should talk about amplifiers. Okay. We should talk about amplifiers. What what uh what what is uh making you excited at the moment when it comes to the world of amplifiers? There's only one for me, baby. You know what it is. You know I'm the 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 biggest Benson shill in the world. It's gonna be a Benson. Yeah, fine, <laughs> fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, how could it not be? How could it not? Of course, be? of course. They make absolutely fantastic, incredible amps, and they're so up your street as well. Like tonally, it's so exactly what I expect you to play. Yeah, I mean, almost every demo. I think I've only done one demo with a non-Benson amp. I think every other demo I've done has had my Benson Vincent on it. And, you know, I think I've told this story a million times on my own show, but for people who may not know, the Vincent is, I think, one of the coolest amp designs out there. So it's it requires a little bit of storytelling, so I'll try to be brief for those that have already heard this before. But when my son was born, my first child, I wanted to get him an amp that looked like my my monarch. And so I called Chris and I was like, do you think you could make me a little toy amp to, you know, keep in my kid's room? And he was like, if it comes out of my shop, it has to be cool. Has to actually, it can't just, I was just looking for a little, like literally a toy, just something that made sound. And I didn't really care what it sounded like. And he ended up through the uh, next couple months creating the Vinny, which is his one watt tube amp, which sounds awesome. And one thing I asked for on it, I was like, Hey, is it possible to put an instrument out on that? so that we can plug it into bigger amplifiers or run it direct. And so, he, yeah, you can you can have no speaker connected to the Vinny, and you can plug it into a bigger amp, and you have the world's greatest sounding overdrive pedal because it's actually <laughs> so a full it's... amplifier saturating the tube and the output transformer and everything. But since he's got it set up to where it can run into a bigger amp, you can have full amp distortion at any volume. And so I kept using it that way. And I finally asked Chris, I was like, dude, what if you like took that and put it inside of a big amplifier chassis and basically had that be the overdrive channel? 
So what he did is he took his Chimera circuit, modified it a little bit so that it ran uh, EL uh, 84s, and then um, he wait did I say that right? What did he modify it for? I forget now because he's got six L6s in the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said that right. Uh, his normal one has six L6s. So this one's right. running EL, uh, EL84s and uh, sorry, my brain's failing. And then he took the Vinny circuit and put it in there. So what happens when you turn on the drive channel, it actually just kicks on an entire another amplifier. So there's basically two amps in one. It's it's crazy, but the the Vinny is what I use for everything. Or excuse me, the Vincent is what I use for everything, and plus it's got my kid's name on it. So yeah, that's that. really cool. Have you ever do 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 you ever think about like you know are there other amps that you would get? Are you absolutely set on this? Do you find that it has completely slaked your thirst to buy other amplifiers? No, not entirely. Mostly, but not entirely. So there's there's a handful of things. So I've found that I really like. So that's kind of my do everything amp. I can do almost anything that I need. But there's still certain flavors that I would like that it can't do. And that would be so I so that set me down the track to get a Sun Beta lead, which I got one. Um, I would really like a an orange rocker verb. I'd really like one of those at some point. So I'll probably pick one of those up one of these days. And then the other, my other favorite amp is one I don't talk about often enough, but it's my Satellite Atom, which is basically the social distortion tone that I've been looking for for my entire life. <laughs> and it just, it sounds so good. And Adam's a great guy. At his, The amp is Adam as in like an atomic bomb. Adam is the guy that owns Oh, wow, that's satellite. the same word for Americans. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit weird. Adam and Atom are the same. Huh. Yeah, yeah they're on. not. We right. just say it's stupid. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, anyway, so I have one of those. I got that uh, late last year, and I don't post it enough. That's bad of me. I should post it more often because it's really fantastic. They're very cool, the, the Atom Adam amplifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, two and controls. That's all you need. That's all you need, and it's just you just open it wide open, and you uh you plug a Les Paul Junior into it, and you play social distortion <laughs> riffs. That's what you do. That's what that amp's for. It's it is absolutely fantastic. I'm a sucker for a lack of controls. There's something just so brazen and cool about that. And if you can just build an amplifier that just sounds good without the need for shaping, um, then I see this is just it's it's just uh like input and output. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just it's just gain and and volume on on there. Thirty six watts, like uh, this is this is very cool. It's a very awesome, very exciting amp. You should post about it more. I really need to, I really need to get one. There is, <laughs> there are some fantastic finishes that this amp comes in as well, which uh, excite me a lot. Um, but yeah, what what an incredibly, what an incredibly cool amplifier. You definitely need to. Yeah, talk about it more. I should. I should. should. And Adam's been on my show twice, and he's a he's a great guy to talk to. So if you guys are looking for just a a high quality episode, I would recommend either of the episodes that he's been on. He's a great guy to talk to. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, it's an absolutely fantastic amplifier. When it comes to accessories, dear Blake. When it comes to um to to things like straps and picks, I want to know what you're what are you repping. 
plectrum wise at the moment what are you thinking uh you know what 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 are you are you using have you gone down because this is a this is a, a struggle of a conversation with the guitar nets boys because of course mark and jay are just so incredibly average when it comes to sort of uh, uh accessories and and whatnot so uh so yes what 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 sort of things can you recommend our listeners check out? What interesting boutique brands are you playing? In the Plectrum department, I haven't taken a heavy dive into the boutique the boutique side in a, a long time. I used to almost exclusively play a brand called Stone Picks that were made in Georgia. And they I were, remember Stone Picks. They don't make them anymore. Yeah, he's not doing that anymore, uh, unfortunately. I think and, Andrew, he was also another person that's been on the podcast. I think he just is one of those guys that is always looking for projects. And, you know, after a while he started making guitars and stuff. And I think he kind of just didn't know what direction to take his brand. And he should have just stuck to making picks because they were the coolest picks. And the certain there would be certain stones you would get that would that would have this slight texture to them that actually you could you could it wasn't subtle at all. You could hear the difference in harmonics when you would play with them. That sounds silly to some people, but like the way that that texture would actually grab the string a little bit when you were strumming, like you could really hear it. It wasn't like a psycho, you know, a psychoactive effect or something. It was just right, like right. it was real. And so those were really fun. But since he's kind of went out of business, I've kind of went back to the vanilla territory of picks and I just play whatever I have in my pocket at the time. So <laughs> not all that exciting. <laughs> wow, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're supposed to be the cutting edge of sort of, you know, brand representation. And uh, I do like gravity are. quite a bit. I have a few mm. gravity picks that I really like. Yes, gravity plectrums are absolutely fantastic. They are the picks that I'm using at the moment. We did like a little uh, sort of guitar nerds gravity. You've done a tone mob gravity thing as well in the past i no, i i haven't have we we, yeah. we always intended to but like we did actually did a a run with stone instead which ended up being a bad idea because we picked obsidian just because it looks right. cool well guess what obsidian doesn't work very well for guitar picks because it tends <laughs> to shatter <laughs> <laughs> i see that so, is problematic yeah there are still a few floating out in the world um but yeah, I like I brought some to band practice one night and everyone's broke including mine. And I was like, "Hmm, this might be a problem." <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. That so, is, that is yeah, oh, stone uh, obsidian not a great stone for plectrums it turns out. Yeah, That's the problem. But yeah, gravity have really got it down with sort of the materials they use and the cuts of pick they do sort of the sizes, the thickness, the shape options. They're so there's so much, they're so versatile and and I think they're so very good. We did like it. We did a collaboration with them for guitar notes, which is always going to be a problem because whenever me and Matt have to agree on something with Jay and Mark, there's always going to be an issue because me and Matt <laughs> are going to want something ridiculous and they're going to want something, you know, very very simple and functional. So there's they're always going to we're going to come up like that. So we ended up, you know, we ended up going for uh sort of their most standard kind of uh shape they're they're closest to a sort of tortex shape it was a little oversized from that shape for them and we actually went for their thinnest option which is 1.5 you know despite me and me and matt wanting to go for like a three and a half mil thick one we we had to go for a 1.5 which was closest to the 0.88 that jay and mark wanted but um 
they actually turned out to be completely fantastic plectrums. An oversized, very rigid, one and a half mil plectrum with the uh, the sort of polished edges. So you get this really lovely attack and rasp, just uh, you know, you know, from the from the edge of the plectrum essentially but loads of surface area which i found was fantastic for me for bass but also you know really really usable for guitar um i've, I've just been thoroughly you know thoroughly impressed with those and i find it i found it hard to uh to replace those to find anything that that i've got on with as much bear in mind that was such an accident like i, I recently got winds uh, a windspear plectrum have you ever have you heard of windspear i have heard of them i've never played it though uh, yes, yeah, so I got I, I, so I got a Winspear. It comes in a wax sealed envelope. Oh they, yes, they their packaging it. is so cool. I remember oh, that now. Very cool. So I got one of their future plectrums, which unfortunately, because I'm kind of new to the sort of boutique plectrum thing, I'm not 100% familiar with measurements. So I sort of I saw the measurements for one, measured a gravity plectrum, and I was like, no, that's close. That's close enough. Yeah, that will be the one I'll get. R- realizing, of course. A few mil in plectrums is actually quite a lot. Yes. So, <laughs> so a few mil smaller than the gravity actually meant that it's kind of jazz three size, which I find hard to use. Um, just you know, just because I'm not a very accurate player. Um, but but they they come with these these gorgeous like crisscross grip that they uh, that, that sort of like hand scalpeled into the plectrum with the lovely sort of ornate W for windspear sort of cut into the top of them i have to say is like a as far as presentation and and you know composition of a plectrum god i mean i'm so up my own ass imagine talking about <laughs> plectrums in this depth but i i think it's a very cool plectrum this is i i've definitely gone down the rabbit hole now um you know someone pointed it out to me uh on uh in in the comment section of um uh, on 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 one of the posts when I was talking about plectrums, someone was like, you know, this. Someone said, "This is the most twenty twenty thing I've ever seen. Why don't you just go and play your instrument?" And it's it's, it's very true. <laughs> I definitely definitely find myself down a rabbit hole during this pandemic, where I'm caring more about the 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 composition of plectrums than I am the composition of music. There's definitely an issue there. Um, but I've also just ordered a load of chicken picks. Have you you've spent any time on chicken picks? Yeah, chicken picks are cool. I haven't played them in a long time, but I remember really liking the ones that I played, whatever, two, three years ago. Um, mm. This conversation has reminded me about one of my favorite picks ever. Which is? is it's, I wish it was a little thicker, to be honest, but I'm a thick pick man like yourself most of the time. But uh, I think they're still around in a very small scale, but course picks. Do you remember course picks at all? I don't remember course picks. So they had a Kickstarter, I think, maybe in 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. It's a little bit of a unique shape in that. So the design of it is half of it is a coarse texture and half of it is smooth. The concept being that the course one is easier to hold for those that kind of just like a standard pick. So it's easier to hold on to uh, and you can just play normally. But for others who really like the thing I was talking about with the stone picks where they found that that texture actually gives some different content to the notes, you turn it the other way and you strum with the coarse side and it gives you some of those same benefits that the stone picks had. And it's also just a really clever shape in in how it's ergonomically shaped. I just really like those coarse picks. I wish they were a little thicker, but that's 
that's just a you know most people would probably find them fine but i i think they're still like running at a small scale they're definitely not like posting on social media regularly or anything but i i believe i heard somebody ordered from them recently and their order did indeed arrive so they're still doing wow. something how about that yeah i'm on their website now i'm on coursepicks.com um and yeah they're just a i think i agree with you i can see that that 0.88 is just not going to cut it for me is that oh no am i am i on one size there must be another size it does oh no it does look like maybe 0.88 is the only i think it's the only size yeah i think it's the only size yeah 12 dollars and 99 cents um for a pack of 12 and that's i think that's the only pack size they come in and you can get them in uh you can get them in a satin or a brushed steel case those are the two options Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it's the case that you choose on not the plectrums um but yeah these these definitely don't initially look like the thing i would default go for but it's such a great idea i kind of agree with you um they're very comfortable very the shape is very very nice to play very cool yeah these are super cool have you ever played many metal plectrums a little bit here and there. I have one somewhere. I don't know what, don't remember what brand it is, but I definitely have one floating around the shed somewhere. I think mm-hmm. they give a nice kind of, like, they're the, much more attack to things with the metal pick. Uh, I just never really, I, I was always dropping them. I need to find one that has a better grip on it. Yeah. Yes, I can imagine that is the problem. Um, that if you, if you sweat when you play, you know, especially if you if you know under stage lights. Not that we're any of us are going to be seeing stage lights for a long time, but you know, if you sweat when you play, that then I imagine it could be something of a problem. Yeah, it is. A, it is a little bit weird. Now, I wanted to ask you something. So, like one thing that I've gotten very nerdy about because, as I was telling you off the air, like I I work with Stringjoy now doing artist stuff, and I've always been very very close with Scott over there. Uh, you know, he's definitely the guy I'm closest to in this whole music industry. Uh, but strings are something that I've become kind of obsessed with. And I didn't realize there was as much to obsess over as there is. It's it's really become like how you are with plectrums right now. <laughs> I am with <laughs> strings. <laughs> that that's, that's exciting. I can definitely get geeky about, about strings. So what's what's kind of lighting your fire with strings at the moment? What sort of like weird, odd things are you finding that's especially good about strings? So like with the Stringjoy strings, for example. So we worked on the Broadway series, which is – I think we released it – I don't remember when we released it. Last year sometime? So – you know, a lot of people look at it and they just think, oh, it's a pure nickel string. You know, that's cool. That's been done before. But no, not exactly. This is this is a little bit different. So what that and it, you know, I'll explain what we did and then why, you know, why some other things happened anyway. So the the core is is thinner than normal. And so what they did to get the gauges to the proper size is they actually use bigger wrap wire and over compress it during the wind so that there's almost double the amount of actual pure nickel mass on the string that a typical pure nickel string would have I and so, so and also because you have that thinner core it's a lot more flexible for a given gauge so say like this like a 48 would be a lot more flexible and bendy than a typical 48 so that's 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 one thing about it but by having that extra pure nickel mass the tone on these things with single coils is just 
it's so up my alley. We kind of describe it. We've never actually like put it on like I've never actually analyzed this the sound, but to me it sounds like the Fender amp of strings. Like it's got that that scoop that Fenders like have cl- and that clarity and depth and yes, that sort of thing. Or... Yeah, I just I'm over the moon with how they turned out. Uh, they they you know they're we don't probably talk about them enough, <laughs> <laughs> but they're very difficult to make. So there's that as well. So that from a production standpoint, they're kind of a pain. But I just I'm so happy with how they turned out, and it's really an original concept that Scott came up with by himself and. He sent me the first test pack, and I was like, for single-coil guitars, these are absolutely the best strings I've ever played. I love them. They, they all have, all gauges have flawless reviews kind of a, across the board. Um, everyone seems incredibly impressed with the with these strings. You know, it's, it's something, I you know, not to like toot our own horn, but I'm going to have to toot it a little bit. A lot of people ask like, well, they're more expensive. Are they really worth it? Blah, 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 all this stuff. And we don't want to be perceived as like bashing anyone because that's not cool. You know, no one likes that guy. But honestly, like the quality control and the levels that we go to over there, we've had other manufacturers come in there before and they say that we're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I see. We literally had like like a guy who makes strings for a bunch of different companies. He came into our factory and was like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And it's like, because it makes a better string. Like he's like, why do you have all this waste? And it was, it's not waste. It was, they didn't meet spec. So they go to the recycling facility, Wow. you know, like, and, and you know, what does and does not meet spec for us it would totally meet spec at some other places. So like, for instance, like as the string is being wound, there's a certain angle that you need to keep within. And, Unless you're watching it the whole time, so, you know, some of these machines drift a little bit and the angle can actually get off. And but if you if you watch it, don't watch it the whole time, you wouldn't know by looking at the finished string. You would only know because it like didn't intonate right or something. But like you have to watch the actual whole wind to make sure that it stayed within that range. Well, most manufacturers just let it go. Well, that's, that's incredible. That's an incredible attention to detail. It's something we're really obsessed with, you know. I, I, Scott doesn't talk about this that much. Like he never wants to be perceived as like putting others down. But like, really, really, truly, like the level of detail that the winders put into things over there, and then the QC department and everything. Does some stuff slip through? Yeah, it does because they're making thousands of strings. But you know, largely, it's. I really do believe that they're putting out the best the best product there. And I've been to the factory multiple times and helped them set up their machines before and, you know, all that stuff. So I I have a lot of knowledge of the inner workings there. And I really do think they're, they're making the best possible thing they can make. Yeah. I mean, dear listener, if there was ever a sort of uh, (laughs) a, a, you know, a sterling review of, of a string manufacturer that you should check out, I think, you know, that, that is absolutely it. Um, well, I mean, full disclosure, so, I, I work with them, so, you yeah. know, I'm biased. <laughs> but I really do believe True. that, and I wouldn't say that if I didn't. I would not no. say that at all. No, I, I absolutely don't think you would. So the, so of the Broadway sets, what guitars of yours do you string with Broadway, and what gauges do you use? So uh, that's a good question. I got to remember what exact gauges, because usually I just tell Scott to send me my gauges. 
<laughs> and I don't remember what they are off the top of my head. Um, but normally I use a 10 and a half to uh, 54, which is a little bit weird, um, but that's because I drop D a lot and that, that having that heavier string um, really helps out when I'm doing that because I do it all the time. But usually I have those on my Roni Oceana, which has got kind of these this Supro style vibe and Supro style single coil pickups in it. I put it on my Jennings Broadway, or excuse me, Jennings Navigator, uh, and my Fender Teleca- Telecaster Custom, and my Melody Maker. So like well, the big, same, always that gauge, ten yeah. and a half to fifty-four. Did you say? Yeah, yeah, that's always what I use on my standard tuned guitars. Wow, that is. I mean, even in drop D, I think you know fifty-four is fifty-four is very chunky. Tim, the guitarist in my band, band plays uh, twelve to fifty-sixes, but he's in um, uh, he's in uh, D standard with his low D drops to an A. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for that and and that like tension seems quite reasonable at that sort of thing so you, you know that's got to be going up to a fifty four when you're still only in D that's got to be that's that's quite a lot of tension it is and it's it's actually a little bit unbalanced but I've been playing it so long that I kind of prefer it so right. sometimes I'll like play like a like a nine to forty eight or whatever and I'm like this feels weird. <laughs> like because yeah. the the that low e just feels so small to me but it's it's not for everybody but that's this is what i've gotten used to yeah for sure for sure i really um i i love you know string joy as a company and listener you know i assume you know all about string joy but you should absolutely check them out i don't know if they if they ship over over here or they might just be for for our, the, our u.s audience which is the bulk of you anyway but um no no that uh, we ship worldwide and we recently switched to using uh dhl and so oh, yeah. generally they get there in about three days which is oh, nice there you go there you go with this there's such a broad range of strings from string joy and of course the option to you know customize things is is very attractive i'm still i'm still on the hunt for the perfect set of basic strings uh, my myself. Oh, um, well, well, I I just I can't make base sixes actually work. I don't know if there's like this joke that everyone's in on that no one's told me about about base sixes, but they don't work. Like I I love them as a five string bass where you play the A to the high E, but the low E on a on a base six doesn't work. There's no way of making it work. There's no way of hitting it with any force and it not just rattling around and fretting out. And there's no setup you can possibly do on a base six to make that string usable unless potentially you go up to, you know, actual four string base thickness. If you go up to something like a, a, a 105, maybe even a 110. I, but at, at a 90, which is kind of the standard thickness of string on a bass six a 90 across a 30 inch scale instrument i i i don't understand i don't understand what's happening but yeah i am you know it really makes me feel good to hear you say that because i too (laughs) have wondered if everyone's trying to play a joke on me by telling me oh the bass six is so so wonderful so great and every time i pick one up i'm just like uh I don't know what to do with this. It's not a baritone guitar. It's not a bass. It's this weird in-between that I can't make any sense out of either. So 
I'm glad yeah, that no, you I, said that. Good. I'm, I'm I'm glad you agree. I've had I've had one for the longest time for you know quite a few years now. And if if I'm honest, it's always sat on a rack. Like I I played it for a couple of like uh, wedding shows. Um, you know where where it didn't really matter you know so i could sort of <laughs> play the basics it'd be fine you know because it would be fun but i just um but i'm the same like i can't i've seen people use it have you ever heard of the the sort of you know i say pop star pop star's the wrong word but sort of more poppy artist aurora have you ever heard of aurora i have not no she's fantastic really interesting atmospheric sort of ambient pop music and when she tours she tours with a, a very small band i can't remember i think there's a synth player a drummer and a bass six player who does a fantastic goes through a big pedal board use it uses it very much as a guitar and also messes around with a capo quite a lot so i think he uses it very much as a baritone guitar and he has a very effective way of of using that instrument he plays one of the the first ones from the reissues the ones that had the humbucker in a in a a jazz master style housing oh yeah 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 okay um i can't remember what that series was called um uh, uh uh pawn it was pawn shop wasn't it oh yes of course the the word that we can't say yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yes it was uh <laughs> it was yeah it was part of the the pawn shop series but yeah it's he did a fantastic job but i've never managed to make them work because when you play chords with them it's they don't it's the chords don't especially work you know they're not um you know, you certainly can't use anything down the low end. It's just an, an absolute floppy mess. And then kind of if you if you want to play it as a bass, well, it just doesn't have any... You basically can't use that low string. It's just too cl- clangy. It's too loose. And then everything else just doesn't have the sort of low end, you know, clarity. And I, fi- I find whenever I play one, I actually just end up playing the low four strings because the... The, the B and the E on there are just in such a weird, uh, I guess, place. It's just such a weird tuning that I'm like, there's nothing really I can do with these because <laughs> you're not going to do any lead work on them. Um, and chords don't really work on a bass six. So there you go. There's a, a little bit of bass six hating, even though I, I, I really want to. I'm sure it's just a, a set of strings. I'm sure one day, and maybe string joy will be the solution for me. One day I will find the right set of strings for a bass six and I will make it work. Yeah, I'll have to ask Scott about that because, you know, we, we definitely sell a lot of strings to basics players. I also know that they're uh, they're kind of a pain in, in some ways. We've we've had to redo some things to make them fit on base sixes because you have to have like the longest string in the world for it to for it to work because right. it's you know, it's got the longer scale length, of course, but then also, you know, a lot of them have that tremolo system. So there's yeah. a bunch of string going behind the bridge as well. So you have to have like 14 mile long strings. Oh, yeah. To make yeah, the things really work. long. I remember Ernie Ball released a set of strings for base six. But at the time, I think they made a base six and they were strings suitable for their one, but they weren't long enough for the conventional fender. Um, well, that seems so like a swing yeah. and a miss, doesn't it? Uh, potentially, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> potentially, that was. Uh, I'm sure it's something that got rectified shortly. I only saw them on the market for the briefest of times, but I just, I happened to have just bought a base six at the time, got a set, tried to string them up, and was like, ah, oh, these aren't as long as the instrument. Right, so, yeah, always a problem. <laughs> well, I'll talk to Scott about it. I know that base six has been a pain point for a lot of our customers, and we have had a solution for them in the past. That said, uh, I don't have a base six. Because every time I've picked one up, I'm just like, what is this? 
I, I want to like it so bad. I really want to like it, but I can't. I just can't make any sense out of it. I know. I know. I, th- I, I think exactly the same. I would be the coolest bass player in the world if I played a bass six. And of course, the bass player from football, etc. Um, she plays a, a lovely custom shop shell pink basics and mm. does a very good job of it. There are definitely players out there that make it work. I just wish I was one of them. This is more me lamenting over me not being cool enough to play a basics, basically. Yeah, that could be really what's going on. It's not It's yeah. not the instrument's fault. It's ours. It's yeah, probably what it right. is. Yeah. And that is what it is. Well, I mean, that that is about all the the time we have on this week's episode of the Friday special. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on an episode blank thank you for taking the time to chat with me well thanks for having me back it was great talking to you i could i could do this all day yeah exactly i'm glad we managed to get onto super geeky topic as well i apologize listener if you do not care about strings and weird boutique plectrums i just needed to get my inner geek out i can't do it with the other guitar nerds guys and blake is my uh uh you know my my release uh, for all my uh <laughs> For my weird, uh, yeah, super geeky thing. So thank you very much, Blake. You can, of course, catch more Guitar Nerds over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds, or you can join us on any of the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds. You can also do that with the Tone Mob on Instagram or uh, any other social platforms you care to join. And check out both the Tone Mob, Chasing Tone, and Guitar Nerds on any good podcast platform. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.